Hello. Hey, Merlin. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. <laughs> I wouldn't think to complain. Good. Did who listen anyway? Woo, had an espresso. Mm, mm, mm. How, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain. Mm, who'd listen? Who would listen anyway? Who would listen? Everybody's got problems. Everybody hurts sometimes. So we, uh, you know, on the times when my daughter wakes up before, do you have, is, does your daughter sleep until you wake her up or does she wake up on her own? She does now. It used to be, it was never, we never had a cash situation. Yeah. It uh, used to be, the rule was um, you can't get out of bed till six. And now she's been reading till very late and she is very logy at 6.30 when we shake oh, her. yeah. Yeah, too much, too much snicket. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, snicket. <laughs> well, uh, recently my my daughter MJ has she's usually pretty good about waking up consistently, but sometimes she'll wake up for no reason in the middle of the night, and uh, we don't want her to, her instantaneous reaction if she should wake up for any reason was to immediately hit the ground running and sprint, and and wake us up and say. I'm awake, you know. Uh, so we've been trying to teach her not to do that to go back to sleep. And what we had to uh, what we had to come to is, of course, she can't. She's five, so she can't really tell time per se. And we wanted her not to get up before six or f- whatever five thirty six, whatever time she's waking up now. And my wife had the idea that we would put a, a little nightlight in there on a timer, and when the nightlight comes on. If the nightlight's on, that means it's okay to get out of bed. If it's not on, it means stay in bed. And the nightlight is in, it's a, it's a bear and it's mm. like a glowing bear. Oh. And we called it the wake up bear. So if the wake up bear is not on, that means not time to wake up, go back to sleep. Shh, the bear is still hibernating. That's right. He's a sleepy, sleepy bear. However, the other night she woke up in the night for, it had been a while since she woke up. So we thought everything was working, but it turns out she just hadn't woken up in the night. So she woke up and, and uh, flew out of the room because her wake-up bear was gone. We said, no, it's, it's not gone. It's just not on yet. She says, no, oh. I, can't, I can't see it. <laughs> That's because it's not on. So that means stay sleeping. Otherwise, that, I mean, you asked how I was doing. That's the only complaint that I would have. <sighs> That's got some very um, interesting Skinnerian aspects to it. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. You know, I'm not to say your daughter's a pigeon, but you know how the, the pigeon hits the bar and the pellet comes out, and then it starts to associate that. Sometimes you and hit it, the bar, sometimes, sometimes the, bar, the bar hits on, you. Come <laughs> on. That's good, Dan. Dan, that's a top five. <laughs> wow. Are you taking different powders or something? Yeah, that was good. Mixing, mixing different things. Yeah, gotta get in there and get those powders. Um, I, um, I wonder because you know there's all kinds of things like that in life. Oh my god, there's so many things like that in life. You know, there's all kinds of magical thinking that grown-ups do all the time, and it's not at all strange for a little kid to go, "Well, the bear is on when I'm awake." So, like, if I'm awake and the bear's not on, the bear must not be there. It must be gone. Gone bear. Gone bear. Mm-hmm. Oh, bear, bear on a train. Bear, mm-hmm. I can't help it. I shouldn't have gotten an office here. I, I like to think people like it, the sound of the train. 
I like the sound. I hope I hope, I hope the sponsors like it when I'm doing a big read. Hey, I got to tell you. There's going to you get some uh, chorizo uh, so chorizo pistachio dressing coming on uh, Thursday. Didn't, didn't one of the listeners triangulate your location based on where the train was and what time we were recording it? No, because that would not be possible to oh, do okay. and should not be tried. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I think it was a live listener who may have attempted that. Oh, yeah, I got a lot of live ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Am I right? Yes. Woo! So we're back. Mm-hmm. Episode episode 309. Mm. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, Let's see. I've got some things. I have uh, I have some odds and sods, as you say. Okay. I have uh, not nah, not exactly follow up, and I got uh, a couple. Uh, I got a, I got a topic, a small topic. All right, but uh, I got a little topic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you got? Now nothing. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Wake up, bear. That's all. That's all I got. You watching anything on TV? You like? Yes. Uh, the American season four just started. Season four. Super into it. Super into it. That's wow. a good show. Love that. Loving it. Um, started watching a show called Victoria, which is about Queen mm-hmm. Victoria. Just started that. Got Clara from Doctor Who on it. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. She's the titular queen. Oh, that's her. I watched one episode of that, and I, I really liked it. I'd watched most of The Crown and then watched that. It's very the well crown done. Crown is ooh, great. Love The Crown. Crown, man. It'll teach you a lot about life. It's not, it's not always such a treat to, <laughs> no. be, uh, to be the crown. Yeah. You know? I yeah, mean, no, no, I, I do I, know. I, I, you know, I, what she's got to deal with, you know, um, just with her husband and just uh, like, she doesn't get to have anything the way that she wants. Yeah. Far from the notion of what it's like to be the queen. She doesn't actually have that much control over her own life. Yeah. Except what she can eke out with like small political gains. You think, you think being a, 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 a majesty would give you total control over anything you want to do it says it right on the tin That's like you're, you you're in charge of everything right yeah yeah no it's a it's a life of uh ceaseless obligation it's basically it's a lot of meetings and dresses like yeah yay i get to go watch the opening of a cricket match or mm. whatever and like when she goes on the when they go on the tour when they have to go on the because her father yeah on the plane going all over the place yeah. yeah when her father's ill and they have to do the like the goodwill tour oh yeah. my god what drudgery Ugh. Yeah, it's, uh, sympathy is, uh, that's in short supply. I feel sorry for the queen. She's, she's pretty old. Yeah, isn't she? Mm-hmm. They live mm-hmm. for a long time. We, where did I hear about this? I heard about it, uh, as usual, I guess, on TV Talk Machine, uh, Jason Snell's show with Tim Goodman. And, uh, I, I'd heard about The Good Place, but hadn't, uh, dove in. That's a show? The Good Place? Yeah, the good place. It's by Mike Schur, the guy you did the office. Oh, uh, this, this one's somewhat similar in tone to another show of his, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, but uh, it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting show. We well, I'm not going to say how quickly we binged it, but as a family, let's just say that over the weekend it was binged. Okay. It is believed. It is. Be- <laughs> I'm going to slip into the passive voice here. It is believed that I'm slipping into the passive voice. Yeah, let's say it mostly got binged in like less than 24 hours. Um, wow. But it's a it's a very interesting show. It's ba- I mean the the premise of the show, which is you know right there in the first episode, is that what's her name? Uh, the one who plays uh, Anna, uh, Kristen Bell. She's not the mopey one, right? She's uh, she's the one from Deadwood. Kristen Bell, not Kristen. Stewart. Trixie. Oh, 
Totally different show. No, not Trixie. I love Trixie. No, remember no. Trixie with the stripes? I do remember. I do remember Trixie. Mm. She was also on another show. She's the one with the hat, right? Oh yeah. Is that right? Sure. Getting that right? Yeah. Why not? I have, to, I have to deal with this. I think about that show all the time. Uh, Kristen Bell uh, wakes up and she's sitting in a waiting room, and Ted Danson come out, comes out and greets her, and uh, she's. I mean, this is this is the premise. I'm not spoiling the show. She's basically in heaven, although they call it the good place. Uh, and so she's in heaven, and Ted Danson is giving her the tour. This is this wonderful world we've created where we've created, if you're going to live eternity in this wonderful place where we've made everything exactly the way you like it, all of your favorite things are here, and we found you a soulmate for you to spend eternity with. <laughs> Would you like to go meet your soulmate? Um, and, you know, as I say, this is this is the premise. This is revealed in the first few minutes. Uh, there's been a mix-up. And she is not actually a good person. <laughs> she is not in the 0. .0000 whatever 1% of people who get to go to the good place. She's one of the people who definitely should have been in the bad place. And then uh, it spins out of that. I think it's a very, uh, I think it's a, it's a fun show. Um, the good place. And it just got renewed for a second season. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Train. TV. There's so much good TV. Yeah, I mean, I, if you think about what and I tweeted about this the other day. Netflix, in my opinion, is producing some of the very best television I think that we have. I mean, a, a lot of great stuff is coming out of Netflix and Hulu has some. And, you know, and just a few years ago, like Netflix was that place that sent you like three CDs that you never or DVDs that you never watched. You know, I mean, not that was yeah. not a long time ago at all. Oh, no, we I talked about this on the last Reconcilable Differences, like how, you know, Reed Hastings, uh, I'm just quoting Syracuse, quoting him, but Reed Hastings has said, like, there's a reason we didn't call it DVDs by mail. That oh, Supposedly, they had a vision for this um, from early on. No kidding. That they're, the, the, I, which I find very difficult to believe. I mean, because that was back in the days when QuickTime was a postage stamp on your internet. Right. Like, you know, it's... And, uh, but I guess, I guess that was the plan all along. And, and again, to refer to another, again, to refer to the TV talk machine, they talk about this all the time. Netflix, you can't, you can't even really keep up with what Netflix is putting out. No way. Let alone watch it all. And, and I think candidly, they could do a better, they could probably do a better, I, I kind of feel like the Netflix app experience could use a refresh. It's starting to feel not really up to the task mm -hmm. in, in a way not so dissimilar from iTunes has, you know, expected to do so much with so many different things. Like with Netflix, it, there's not really a place to go and say like, show me the latest series that have come out. Cause I think that's not how they want you to experience Netflix. Right. They want, they, they know they have the data on what you will like and it's pretty reliable and they put that in front of you generally. But like even on the day something drops, like a very high profile thing, like it's not always like the top pin thing on the page. But anyway, I just, I mainly just to say that it is very interesting to me that whatever billions of dollars they're spending on uh, original programming is, is staggering to think about, given that they started out as, hey, here's three plastic discs a month. Yeah. I mean, as far as they've come, the, the quality of the content, the money that goes into this, when you read about like the budgets, it's like $100 million to do The Crown, I think it was. Like there's... there's HBO went through that with yeah. the uh, with the Cocaine 70s um, music show. Final. I mean, that... Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the, the Marty episode of that, the first episode was whew, like, it was like a, I think close to like a Hollywood budget. 
But uh, yeah, no, you're right. But I mean, also, here's the other interesting part is that like, yeah, Netflix is the logo on there. But I, I, as I've gotten older, I've learned to have a lot of admiration for people who make great decisions about who to work with. And that's got to be a huge part of it is knowing like, okay, well, on the one hand, we have the data on what kind of shows people will like. And then on the other hand, we have the resources. Like it isn't like Netflix has a backlog where they're making all those shows. They're working, presumably, they're working with production companies. I mean, right? I mean, it's, yeah. not, like, it's not like Warner Brothers Studio. Right. They're partnering with all these people, which in some ways makes it even more amazing that they somebody there has such good taste and smart judgment about who to work with. Um. You know, I don't have any numbers on there or whatever success with this stuff, but I, I think you're right. I think it's um, all of a sudden HBO, who, you know, most of us credit with kicking off this golden age of TV, this recent, uh, I guess, what do we call it? The platinum age, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, they, they, it's just, how do you catch up with that? You know, I think it's interesting between Netflix and YouTube. I mean, like these are two places that want to cover like a huge, I mean, I, there's so many things I subscribe to on YouTube now where I'm like, I've started watching like monologues from late night talk shows, which is something I haven't done in years. I just watched, you know, the latest Stephen Colbert episode. Oh yeah. Uh, which is just something you can do now. And it's like, that's kind of what people want. They, you know, they don't want to go through the whole thing and watch the whole thing. And between YouTube and Netflix, it's just, it's staggering how much it has changed even since the, what I consider the golden age of uh, TiVo. It's nuts. I mean, it, the idea that you had that we used to go and record, we used to re say, this is going to be on at this time. I'm smarter than that, though. I'm going to set it to record with my DVR. And I'm going to watch it when I want. I still remember when we talked about this. Was it last week? I don't want to like keep repeating what we talk about. But when um, when Kevin Spacey was signed on to do House of Cards, it was like, what what's going on with him? He's he's still got it. Like, why is he doing some dumb TV? Sh- you why, know is he, why is he why is he slumming on TV? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, and and they released everything at once, and that was weird. And now it's like, of course you'd come out with everything at once. What you mean? I got to wait till next week to watch the next episode? Are you what's wrong with you? Yeah, if I look back at uh, say even like three years ago, um a time when I was probably near my peak of interest in Marvel comics. Yeah. It would be difficult for me to imagine a world where there would be like Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, all these shows that on the one hand seems crazy that Netflix would make these Marvel comics shows. But the, even the crazier turns out is like, I haven't finished. I finished there. I watched the first season of Daredevil. I haven't finished any of those other seasons just because there's so much good TV that as soon as I feel a little bit frustrated with the pace of it, I'm like, man, I'll go watch, I'll go watch Parks and Rec. Right, right, right which is on Netflix and I can watch. We watch Parks and Rec constantly. We'll just watch the same episodes over and over. What a, what a, what a weird world. It is weird. Uh, I have a little bit of uh, odds and sods and a topic. Did you want to tell me about something that you like? Sure. I could tell you about, uh, about smile. Smile. Why not? I use smile. I use, I used two smile products extensively in the last week. What are the two? Text Expander and PDF Pro. PDF Pen PDF Pen Pro. PDF Pen Pro. There's a well, there's a whole family. There's PDF Pen. PDF Pen saved my bacon several times for iPad and iPhone and PDF Pen Scan Plus. Gold. Which one? What are we talking about this week? Well, we can talk about this. Let's talk about this. 
let's talk about something important. Uh, well, I will talk about whatever you want because I use them all. Uh, but I, especially, I've said this before, but PDF Pen is that app that I, I may not use that for weeks. And then, boy, am I ever glad it's there. Because when I use it, I use the crap out of it yeah. and it saves my bacon. It's just it's just a, a, a big, giant Swiss Army knife for things that annoy me. And uh, it it's great. So who's, who's the uh, product this week? They actually want us to talk about PDF Pen, PDF Pen, oh. PDF Pen uh, family, the whole family. Dan, I had to do a thing with a form, and I downloaded the form. Yeah. I got the form. I got the PDF. And of course, it's not really a form. It's a picture. It's not really a form. And I just, I pointed PDF Pen at it. I said, go, do your magic wizard. And it went through, it runs through that page, and it goes, hey... Here's where some dingus made a bunch of underlines in Microsoft Word. This is probably a form field, ding. And it turned the entire picture in that PDF into a form that I could type in like a person. And it was the best. And then I was able to, I put that on the uh, the iCloud. And I was able to like get it from all of my devices. And it's the best. Bacon saver. Wow. I think all of the stuff that they do, it's kind of geared toward saving the bacon in the sense that these are things that they're designed to save you time. They're designed to make your life easier. We've talked about text expander, but we don't talk as much, I think, about PDF Pen and what you can do with it. And so it's they they describe it, and I think accurately, aptly as the Swiss Army knife of PDF. So oh, was you, I on? Was I accidentally on message? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's how they. That's what they say. And it, so you can you can do everything with it: scan, print, sign. The other day that this place was like, oh, do you, do you guys have a fax? We want to fax you something. I'm like, no. Like, well, how are you going to, how are you going to sign it then? I'm like, just send it We send it all to of me. our documents by Vic Trollo. Right? I'm like, just send it to me. I'll get it signed. Like, how are you going to sign it? I'm like, don't worry about how I'm going to sign it. Well, it can't, you can't just type on it. I know I can't just type on it. It's okay. Send it. I'll get a real life signature on there. I'll send it back to you. And they did it and they couldn't believe it. They're like, how did you do it? I'm like, PDF pen. My experience with that was equally funny in some ways because it's funny to be where we are today with the mix of high and low tech. So this was something I had to do that required me to fill out a form and send it to a place and sign it. So on the one hand, so they, I got their dumb PDF. God bless them. I, I pointed PDF pen at it. It turned it into fields. I filled in all the fields on the computer. I printed it out. <laughs> I signed it. And then, you know, the preferred way these people get stuff, they want you to take a photo of it and right. send it to them. Right. And it totally worked. I mean, I will take that over fax any day. But it was just, just so, so interesting because it, it really combines all these different eras of dealing with document management and uh, had the whole thing done in like five minutes. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't want to print anything ever, ever. And they make it so you don't have to. So much great stuff. So here's here's what you can do. You can go check out. They've got uh, PDF Pen 8.3. They have uh, Touch Bar support now. So if you've touch got bar. one of the fancy uh, touch, touch, touch Bar Macs, touch you can bar. go use that. They've got uh, they got iCloud Sync in there. Syncs up all your tabbed windows on Sierra. They've got, I mean, tons of really cool tips and stuff. If you go to smilesoftware.com, you can see it. And they have all, all these great entries on their blog that explain how to do tons and tons and tons of things. So again, go to smilesoftware.com slash back to work. You can get details on the entire PDF pen family. We appreciate, uh, or it's B2W. I'm sorry. Did I say back to work? I'm converting. It's okay. I'm, it's I'm a doing it's a common error. Doing a text replacement almost as if it was a text expander in my brain. 
smilesoftware.com slash back to work. Yeah. So go check it out. Thanks very much to Smile. Always making some of my favorite Mac and iOS software. Keep it up. Keep it up, kids. Keep them coming. Thank you, Smile. Fuck, fuck. Uh, yes, S is for substitute. S is for I think substitute. Isn't that what it's called in the Unix? It's the substitute command. Sure, why not? I you say S yes. And you do a slash. Now, is that probably, is that probably actually, that's one of those little tools. Like, Wait, you know, that's not. Like command line completion or something? Well, like, you know, like when you want to do a substitution, like that's in stuff like awk, but it's probably deeper down in the stack. Oh, yes. I see what you're talking about. If you're, if you're wanting to, yes, said or awk would be your friends in this case. Yeah. Trough. I'm a big trough man. Trough. Tron. VI said. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. Look at that. Oh, a lot of, a lot of attributes. <laughs> mm. FFmpeg. So, yeah. FFmpeg. You ever look at the documentation for that guy? Mm-hmm. Chimney Christmas. That's, that takes the cake for the craziest flags and attributes yeah, ever. Yeah. Let's look it up. You really can do anything with FFmpeg. You can do too many things. Documentation. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. This is a nice site. Websites have gotten a lot better, Dan. Sure. Yeah. And why not? Uh, I, uh, I, I, at the risk of not only being repetitious, but, but like retweeting myself here. Um, I just, I, I, I can't tell you why maybe we've been helping people more than usual. Maybe, uh, you and I have been busting guts more than usual, yes. but we, we had a surpassing number of very kind, um, very generous emails from people in the last week. And I, I don't even know how to respond to a lot of them because some of them are like, oh, my life was terrible and your show is helping me. Right. Um, Can you believe that? And uh, I mean, like, like, you know, like at least like five, like emails from people that were like very moving to me. And I just, I just wanted to say for people who have done that, I, I'm not saying, I'm not talking for clapping here, but honestly, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I mean, from a very self-involved standpoint, it makes me feel good to know that, that we don't always suck and sometimes we help people, but also yay you, I'm glad you found it in yourself to uh, feel feel like less of a dick. And that makes me really happy that that worked out that way. Isn't that, isn't that a nice thing? It was so nice and such a surprise to get these really, really thoughtful. And, you know, many of them are, are long, but they're not long, like laborious long. They're long, like these people are really sharing a lot of what's going on with them in their life and, and like... You never, like, I don't know about you, but I never anticipated that kind of email ever when I was thinking about doing a podcast, you know, like that was never. Well, certainly gonna, not, not, not top of mind. No. Yeah. It was pretty great. Yes. Uh, so thank you to everybody. Uh, also got, we got an inquiry here about Jordan. Did you hear about Jordan? Oh, I may have skipped over Jordan. Oh, What's he's a thought on? leader in mobile strategy with a focus on how companies from startups to fortune 500 brands can leverage mobile. We should, get, a thought, we should get He's him. a thought, and then there's Jonathan. That's the other guy. Jonathan is a thought leader in digital, whatever that means. He's a, Jonathan is a thought leader in digital, comma, with a focus on value <laughs> creation and helping businesses close the execution gap to successfully scale and grow. Oh I would God. say that we actually got almost as many, thank you for doing the show, you changed my life emails as we did, would you like to have me on as your guest emails? Oh, I love that trend line. I love that trend line. Keep going. Oh Keep God. it going. Here's some of the places Jordan has been featured. <clears throat> Jordan has been featured in um, Entrepreneur on Fire. He's been featured in Hack the Entrepreneur. 
Okay. He's been featured in Sidepreneurs. Oh. He's been featured in Ambitious Live and Next Generation Catalyst, to name a few. He's a mobile strategist leading the conversation regarding business in the mobile era. And then they give some of his accolades. Now, Jonathan, he works with clients to transform business strategies, user needs, and new technologies into valuable digital products and experiences. And then they give some of his accolades, which they call accolades. Anyway, Alice is happy to set up a call between us all, send over some ideas that our audience would really get value from. Mm -hmm. Would you like our audience to give value from uh, Jordan and Jonathan, do you think? I don't think we give them enough value as it is. I say yes. 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 I mean, this is a different kind of value. This is somebody who's been on fire as an entrepreneur. This is, this is an entrepreneur that's been hacked. He's been uh-huh. sidepreneured. <laughs> uh, that sounds like something like, uh, ugh. like what, what, what's that thing where your intestine makes a hole in your skin? What do they call that? What do they call that? Uh, Fisher? Is that what it's called? A fissure? Fisher? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Was it Paul who said that? I will make you fissures of men. And, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's what it sounds like when you say sidepreneur. It's complicated stuff these days. Side hustle. Up here, up here in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> side side hustle. We got several tweets uh, from, I don't exactly understand what this is or how it happened. <laughs> but I, I feel like people tweeted us to say that merely listening to us talking about Thai Lambo is causing them to see more promotional materials yes, for Thai Lambo. Yes, yes. Okay, so for so if you if you go to a website and you buy something or you click around and it's like a shopping site, the next site that you go to, you'll see an ad for that yeah. site. That's how the that's how the cookies follow you around the internet. But people are saying that by us not by us talking, just talking about yeah. Thai Lambo that they're now seeing those ads more. And it's following them and plaguing them around the internet. Oh my God. What fresh hell is this? That is... I believe it. I do too. I've... Well, Roderick and I were just talking about this yesterday. Like he's getting that thing. Like, like for example, I was recently on like a good site. I was on like, I want to say Newegg or OWC. Right. Because I'm not shopping for a hard drive. And I got this really, this really pathetic email. It's like, hey, um, looks like you still got something in your car. Did, did you want to buy that? It's like, ah, don't look at my cart. That's for me. That's not for you. Yeah. But no, I mean, there are, mm, I, yes, this, this is a thing. In fact, people who have advertised on this program, I, I know have done this where there's a name for this, where you can basically cookie up to like, after somebody has visited your site, they get cookied up to where they start seeing ads for your thing. Now, the irony for me is that I started getting tons of ads for this one particular brand after I'd gone and bought something from them. Which is like, it's like yesterday I bought a clock on Amazon and it said, frequently bought with this clock, here's two other clocks. And it's like, no, that's, what are you doing? People don't buy three clocks. That's mental. Well, I do. I do, but but I'm not, I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah, that's weird. But I have a friend who has purchased those kinds of ads and he says there's something like 10x more effective. That Like there's oh. a really, that they are, they are costly, but that they actually are very effective. It's, I, I don't doubt the efficacy. They just, they feel creepy. Because it, it feels feel, like they're snooping. They feel snoopy. You know, I even totally though it's still agree. your computer and, and it, I don't know, it feels like, you know, you want to get out of that. You want to climb out of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like when you walk by and accidentally see yourself in the mirror and you go, ah, it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't do that on the internet. <laughs> internet is not my mirror. Gross. <laughs> pass. Hard pass. Yeah. 
that's my daughter and I say, well, we'll be in the, in the, in, in the movies. Like we want to see La La Land and we'll see, uh, you see, you'll see like a trailer for something and we'll just turn to each other and go hard pass. Oh, I like that. <laughs> trolls, hard pass. <laughs> trolls that not box trolls. No, box trolls is good, but the, but like there'll be these movies. There's like that one. Oh, like, well, what's the one? Alec Baldwin one, the executive baby. You seen that? Oh one? God, it's so bad. It looks so bad, and then it does. Even when it when it does the Glengarry joke, it makes me angry because it looks so terrible. Hard pass. What about Monster Trucks? That's a hard pass for sure. Monster Trucks is a strange one because I want to say as early as this summer, it was uh, we were seeing it a lot uh, at the cinema, like seeing a trailer for it, and it's got uh, it's got uh, havoc. Havoc is the star of that one. The, the guy who played it, right? Isn't it? Isn't that have? Isn't that Alex Summers from all the X Men movies? Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's young Alex Summers, I think, from the X Men movies. That handsome oh. guy. Um, yeah, and Monster Trucks, where your truck literally becomes inhabited by a monster. Interesting effects. Looks like a terrible movie. Looks horrible. But it's like you hear about it, hear about it, promotion, 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 and then I like I recently saw like oh it's out and like uh, you know it's it just seems like it just comes and goes. So quickly. La La Land. This is just, listen to the premise of this. I don't understand how some movies get made. There's, there's a guy. This this sounds, this sounds like somebody had some cocaine over lunch. Something weird. There's a guy who I guess is working on, happens to be a guy working on monster trucks and then some kind of alien craft crash lands. I don't know if it's a meteor. I don't know what it is, but something happens. Yeah. And there is a creature who is sort oh, like of like a tentacled, yeah, blo- blobby alien. with lots of tentacles on it and things like that. And it, it, it for some, Wait, what, hang on, here comes the good part. Yeah, it decides to inhabit his monster truck, therefore it. making it a monster truck. Truck with a monster, and so then he can go to competitions and fly. Right, he can fly. It can it can use its tentacles to trip up of the other trucks or climb a wall. It's like Steven Spielberg got bad acid and time traveled to 1971. So it's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's Havoc. I get it. Right, Havoc. And what's he in that for? Well, you know, a person's got to work. You know, work is work. I guess. That's why they call it work. <laughs> you could quote me on that. They should have me on Sidepreneur. I could Sidepreneur. I got Side Hustle. Side Hustle. You got more Side Hustle. than All all you have is Side Hustle. All I need is Side Hustle. That's right. You think these bookshelves pay for themselves? Knowledge. 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 Not my Lambos. My 47. Oh, my daughter loves that video so much. You can't stop watching it now, can you? No, my account. My my Lambo account. 47 Lambos in my Lambo account. 47. (laughs) Did you see the one of him with... uh, with uh, his friends on the tarmac getting in, getting ready to get into their private jet that he had to charter. And, <laughs> he definitely paid for. <laughs> and then, and then there's some no. shots of it, of him in the jet with his friends. Oh, That's yeah. like the follow-up uh, of the, uh, one thing like I will Russian say is, guys like to put all their belongings on their bed to show how rich they are. Yeah, Remember yep. those, that meme for a while photos yeah. of like people with like stacks of cash and guns. Yeah. I, I will in, in say, case it's buddy's jet. thank you very much to the listener or listeners who subscribed us Aww. to the Ty Lambo newsletter at the, the so backdoor nice. contact account. Cause I, you know, we, we, uh, we weren't on that. So now we are. So thank you very much for that. So nice. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, one thing, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I moved back from, I've been using airmail for a while, but it's been acting a little weird on iOS. It gets confused about like what should be in the box. Um, but boy, you know, one thing that airmail has, I don't, I have not seen any other app on iOS that has this, it has bouncing. Oh, I miss bouncing. 
Yeah, I started bouncing the emails we get from people. You know what I'm saying? When I get a side sidepreneur email, I'll yeah. bounce it just, just for fun, just for fun. And I, I think, you know, also in airmail, you can make multiple actions. So I'm probably gonna make a new action that bounces and then marks it as spam just because I'm so angry. <laughs> bounce. And so when you bounce an email, which, you know, most desktop apps, Gmail does not uh, let you do this, I don't think. You can mute, you can block, but like bouncing, it basically generates, you would know the tech on this, but it basically sends the message back to the sender with an error that it wasn't sent through. Right, could, could not really be delivered, basically. Yeah. It's such a dick thing to do, but like it just makes me happy. It's like, you know, it's like the, uh, it's like the block on block trick on Twitter. You know that trick? No. Like if somebody annoying is following you, you if you block them and yeah. then unblock them, it's uh it it, un, it makes them unfollow you. R- really? <laughs> I didn't know this. So wait wait a sec. Let me make sure I got this right. Somebody's being annoying. You block them and then right away unblock them and they un they're unfollowed. You it's not it's not important. You. It's not important to the technology that it be done quickly. But the fact that they won't notice they were blocked for like a two seconds, it probably will not appear to them. It'll just be suddenly your they're they're compelled they're to uh, anyway. to have unfollowed you. Yeah, is uh, actually then by your logic, everyone should think with their own mind. Oh, here actually. When sorry, block, that was my internet internet guy voice. When you block somebody, do they get a notification that you've blocked them, or no? Mm-hmm. Just that you, I think you don't appear. But like, if I time. if I block you right now, you're not going to get an email from Twitter saying you've been. No, blocked. I think there are services that Dinglings use for that kind of okay. garbage. But you know, you wouldn't notice it until you went to the site and said you're blocked from following this person. I try to be pretty parsimonious with the blocks. Muting is a good thing. Muting conversations, woo boy, is that ever a good thing? Yeah, if you ever go on, like, if you if you have all your mute filters and stuff on, like Tweetbot on your phone, and then you you go to the Twitter website just straight up in yeah. the browser, I'm like, whoa, what is all this garbage? You're like, oh right. Yeah, <laughs> my mute filters yeah, but also, aren't here. No, I run mostly straight Twitter on my my primary Twitter account. I use I use Tweetbot for the the accounts that are for things that I do. Um, but for my own like straight up main Twitter, I use the just regular Twitter. I, I think it's fine. And a feature they recently introduced is mute this conversation. So like for a long time, you know, this is this is a first world like a white wine. But like I, it's always it bugs me when somebody goes, "Hey, I've got a dingling wackadoo opinion." at Gruber, at Syracuse, at, and you're like, oh God. Mm. And then you got to sit there for like two days and hear the well actuallys and like you keep getting included. And I've always wished there was a way, you know, apart from saying, it's the equivalent of saying, hey, everybody don't reply all when you're replying all. Like there's no way to stop that. I've always wished that there was a way. And they, they have a very clever thing, like for your tweets or other people's tweets, there's now a button you can hit that says mute this conversation and you will no longer receive notifications for that conversation. I it's think great. that's pretty smart. It's the best. I kind of want it on everything. <laughs> anyway, Jordan and Jonathan. Jordan and Jonathan. Jordan and Jonathan. Jordan and Jonathan. Jonathan is a thought leader in digital with a focus on value creation and helping business businesses close the execution gap to successfully scale and grow. Hello, my name my name is Ty Lambo, and I am with the Markov Chain Group. We produce press releases that make absolutely no sense. Mm. So, <laughs> good week. Yeah, big week. 
Huge, huge, huge week. I, uh, I so thank you to everybody for the emails. Uh, my, my, my main thing. I want to continue to suggest um, John Moe's podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression. Uh, I think his first season of that is wrapping soon. I think there's there's one or two episodes left. It's the same, similar to what he did with the Adventure Time show, where like there's like a little season of this many episodes. This is uh, for those of you just tuning in, and and again, lots of people have said they learned about the show from hearing about it here. Yay! This is a show where John Moe who has been public about his uh, dealing with depression and who is a funny person, talks to comedians. He talks to funny people about their depression. Now, you know, and every show, basically every show opens at the top with him, like cold open, he asks that person, is depression funny? And the answers are always very funny. This is a wonderful show. If you don't consider yourself a depressed person, you can still really enjoy this show just for the insight into how different people think about these things. But also... You know, even if you're not interested in depression as a thing or mental health as a thing, it's still a great window into the creative process. I know that that sounds crazy, but like every episode you end up hearing about how somebody really funny and, you know, nominally successful has been able to is is struggling with and constantly attempting to like deal with what they've got and use what they have. And those are some of my favorite parts of the episode. You know, there there are frequently, you know, war stories about bad times. But, you know, you'll frequently hear somebody say, like, I finally figured out that this is how I'm going to use this particular thing. I'm going to, you know, move my, use my anxiety to apply it in this right, way. Right, right. Very interesting. And it's a, it's a, just a very humane show. And John Moe has done a great job with it. Um, there's one thing I, I was just listening to an episode, uh, not the current episode, the previous week's episode with uh, the comedian Jen Kirkman, who does stand up. I think she does writing. And she has had depression and has struggled a lot with anxiety and panic in particular. Um, so, you know, one, I want to recommend, yeah, go check out Hilarious World Depression. Two, I want to recommend this Jen Kirkman episode. Uh, but she said something that I really, really liked. As somebody who does have a terrible voice talking to him sometime in his own head, she talked about, and she's she's had panic pretty bad. I don't get panic attacks, but I do have an ongoing like, eh, feeling like almost all the time she has like legit panic attacks, like mm -hmm. as in like stop the plane. I have to get off of here type oh, panic attacks. Um, and she's, you know, had to deal with that. And I just, I'm not going to quote here, but if you go check out show notes, I got a timestamp to where this begins um, in the program on overcast. But she says something that I thought was so smart, just paraphrasing here. She says, talked about talking with her therapist about how to use your creativity to soothe yourself which I think is such an interesting idea. We're so good at hearing these negativity things in our head. And we're so good at that, you know, that broken record of like, bah, you suck. But she says, you know, if you're an artist, if you're a creative person, why not use that more creatively to, as she says here, make up a story in your head and talk to your panic. And it was so great. She's basically just talking about like, when you hear the, uh, the you feel or hear the panic coming, treat it like a, treat it like a person. But also treat it like a person whose opinion you don't trust, a person whose motivations you don't trust. You could treat it like a mobster. <laughs> but the quote I love is she said, one idea from a therapist, and forgive me, this is political. She said, act like your panic is George W. Bush piping up in a cabinet meeting. Mm -hmm. And you just, you basically turn and say, okay, that's fine. Let's hear what Condoleezza Rice has to say. Mm. Show the quote here. Panic is the drunk son. When you're panic, you hear yourself that panic talking to you. She says, panic is the drunk son whose dad let him have a seat at the corporate table. <laughs> really let that sink in. 
minute. That's good. Like you're you're the you're the uh, you're the dad who let your kid come to that corporate table. If you let that voice become too without acknowledging and then kind of addressing that voice, I don't know. I that just that was a very funny analogy to me, and also a very effective technique to consider. I thought that was really good. I like that. Yeah, That's people are complicated. Image. Yep. Drunk son whose dad let him have a seat at the corporate table. <laughs> That's a good point. I have an update and, and, on the on the Hackintosh too, I just realized. Oh good, good. Yeah, blonde. Update. Hackintosh. Bring it. Uh so um again, I I would know nothing about breaking mm-hmm. a EULA or, or even thing. you don't want to break your EULA. But hypothetically uh went really, really well. And it's uh, sure is an amazing machine. You don't get like kernel panics and stuff. Nothing. No. It's really? Ru- ru- that would have been my. I would. I would imagine that b- could break at a very deep level. I think those days are gone. Those days are long gone. Um, just because, just because you know, if you're theoretically doing that, you're monkeying with some pretty basic stuff, aren't you? Well, Not really. the concept is what what you're. There is something in, built into macOS that says to that that. When it is booting up, there is some kind of hardware signature. There is something that macOS expects to find when it boots that is that says to macOS, you are running on a Mac. Mm-hmm. That thing is missing if you were to try to run macOS on any machine that's not a legit, genuine Mac. Okay. The... There is a way to, in, in the bootloader, which is this thing that loads before the operating system loads. It, it, I'm simplifying things, but this is a way to think mm-hmm. of it. That the, so when your computer, Mac, PC, whatever, when it's booting up, it starts looking for a hard drive. And when it finds the hard drive, there's something on there that, that is going to load up the operating system. Well, what they've done is they've engineered a way to at that very early before the operating system is loaded stage to load something in that says convince or trick the operating system into seeing this as a spoofs it it spoofs it so that so that when it's by the time the operating system is booting it is already convinced that it's running on a mac whether or not it really is or not and that little key component there component Mm-hmm. is what makes this whole thing possible. Above and beyond that, it's all just about driver compatibility, making sure that the hardware that you've got uh is compatible with with macOS and uh and and the drivers either exist within Sierra or whatever operating system you're you're running, but they exist within Sierra already and that would be if Apple has made or ever has made uh or is making that hardware then it will work just fine plug and play if they have never made hardware like that then you're going to rely on either something that somebody has kind of engineered or rigged up to work or in some cases legit drivers that will work just fine so an example of this is um nvidia which is a graphics card manufacturer makes uh, a, a large number of cards and there's the 900 series has been around for a while, and they have Mac drivers for that. So when you first install Mac OS on your Hackintosh, and let's say you have like a, a GTX 950 graphics card in there, 
it's going to boot up and it's going to be in like an all stretched, funky looking low resolution. It's not going to look very good. But then you install the NVIDIA drivers direct from NVIDIA and lo and behold, everything looks beautiful and perfect and it's supported. I mean, NVIDIA has wow. drivers for it. So it's um, it's more, you know, and like, for example, if you want Wi-Fi, there are a large number of Wi-Fi cards that you can put in the machine when you're building it. It costs about 30 bucks and they're a plug and play because they're the same chip in those cards that Apple is using in their own airport card chip that's inside of all the Macs that are shipping or have shipped. So to Mac OS, it says, oh yeah, I, I know I know that chip. You have Wi-Fi. Here you go. Nothing for you to do. So it's not, there's no monkeying around with the kernel. The kernel extensions that get loaded, it, it's all in uh, the few that you even need anymore are, are it's all an automated process by the this installer uh, which is called uh, Multi Beast, which is fine. Uh, and you, but basically, you make a bootable USB stick with a, uh, an application called Uni Beast, and then you make uh, once you're uh, you're installed, you run Multi Beast, and it allows you to, with a couple clicks, configure your system and reboot, and then everything just just sort of just works now. That's amazing. I can't Assuming believe that this works. is what I read, this is what I've heard. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Uh, but that is really impressive. You know, on this on the same machine, I've got a licensed version of Windows 10. I've got Ubuntu Linux. I've got uh, Elementary, all on different drives, and you can boot from any of these drives anytime that you want, and switch <sighs> operating systems. And uh, I'll tell you what, the fastest Mac I've ever used, hypothetically, is didn't even come from Apple. So, ooh, that yeah. is interesting. Yeah. But I got all, all the great games that are on uh, Windows are right there, and I find well, I rarely, like, rarely I, if I, ever boot into uh, into uh, Linux. I know that you are a smart cookie and have a background with building PCs, yes. but like I have made a video. Just, I made a video of the entire process uh, from square one, getting all the pieces, putting them together, and uh, I'm working on the the final part of the video now, and then I will I will release it. Well, how? I mean, how... With a parts list. And I have HackintoshMethod.com. How difficult was this to do, and what part was most challenging? You're, you're right in that because I have an extensive experience building computers that uh, I have a skewed perspective. Uh, but I will say that back in the old days, building a computer was, in a best situation, still a little... It could be a little frustrating, now things have really, really standardized there. So even if you haven't done it before, there are uh, there are enough videos on YouTube. There's the the website PC Part Picker, which I've talked about before, which will tell you, it kind of guides you through the selection of, oh, you want to build a PC? Well, here are the parts that you need to do it. And it kind of says, now, now you need to pick a motherboard. Now you need a CPU, etc. And it kind of walks you through all of it. There's nothing about building a PC that's difficult or challenging. Uh, it, it's simply familiarity with it. Uh, hmm. You know, it's if, for example, if you've never changed, never done a, an oil change on a car before, you would think, well, an oil change, I don't know what's involved in that. Now, I'm sure it can't be that hard, but what do you need to do it? I don't know. So if someone showed you and said, all cars pretty much work this same way, here's what's involved in it and walked you through it and showed you all those things, you would come away from it saying, that's not hard at all. I don't know if I want to do it, though. It's kind of easier for me to just go to the, 
you know, the, the, the Exxon or Jiffy Lube or whatever and car dealership and just have them change it for me. I don't know if I want to go through that process. That's kind of the way this is. There's nothing that's hard about it. But once you get over that small initial learning curve in how to do it, it's, it's really easy to do. The one thing that, uh, that uh, and, and this is a perfect example of the kinds of things that uh, are a little bit frustrating uh, or can be a little bit frustrating because they're not necessarily intuitive. And th- so this would be what I would call the hardest part or the strangest part. Uh, when you buy a motherboard for your computer, it doesn't come with a CPU. The CPU is a separate thing. So you've got to buy motherboard and CPU. And then you need to mount the motherboard on the CPU. Now, they have very good instructions on how to do this from the motherboard places and the CPU places. So when you get your little Intel CPU, there's a special instructions on how to put it into this motherboard. They give you a little tool that makes it easy to do it. Wow. That part's fine. But then when you want to install the... Um, like the CPU cooler, because for, for those people that don't know, the CPUs, the way that we make faster CPUs, the way Intel makes faster CPUs, is by essentially uh, shrinking them uh, down further and further and further. So they're coming up with ways and technology to make the CPUs smaller, and then they can cram more of it onto that same size CPU. So now you have these little things that just run super hot, super hot, like hundreds of degrees so you have to it's very important to cool them and there are different ways that you cool them and back in the old days you just had like a heat sink on there then they started to attach fans onto the heat sinks now the heat sinks are huge they're they're this you know size of a coffee mug with giant fans sitting on top of it the newest the 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 more recent trend though is to use what's called liquid cooling so it's pretty cool. They, you have a little thing that attaches to the top of the CPU and clamps down onto it. And then there are two tubes coming away from it connected to a radiator, just like in your car, and mm-hmm. fans blowing air th- across the radiator. And inside of that radiator and tubes is liquid. It's, I, I don't know if it's water or some other kind of liquid, but it's, it's liquid that's circulating through those tubes, essentially passing over the surface of the CPU or uh, over the piece of metal that's attached to the cpu and uh and that does a very good job of keeping the machine cool much of the cpu cool much better than just a fan and a heat sink and uh and it's very quiet and and other things like that and i had never installed a liquid cooling uh setup before because back the last time i built a a pc there was no liquid cooling or it was only for like super high-end gaming rigs it wasn't for like a regular everyday thing so I thought, okay, this will be a neat opportunity for me to to try this out. Well, there's a little bracket that goes on the underside of the motherboard and goes sort of, a, so the, the four screw holes go through the underside of the motherboard to the front of the motherboard. And then you, you twist down these little screw peg things down onto the bracket so that when you're then later clamping down the uh the the cpu cooler attachment onto the cpu these brackets are there and they line up perfectly and that's how you attach the thing on top of the other thing now here's the part that was really weird is i tightened all this stuff down but there was still a lot of space if you will like the the as tightened down as the little screws would go there was still about i don't know a eighth of an inch give there and it was kind of jiggling back and forth i'm like i know that's not right so I Googled it. Lots and lots of people complaining about this, saying, oh, I guess, 
you know, I guess I'm not going to, you know, Corsair, I think is the company. Oh, I guess they really screwed the pooch on this one. I had to go. I went to the hardware store and bought rubber washers and that's what did. I'm like, this is effed up. Like, this is really stupid. That shouldn't have to be that way. And, and, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to try to attach it and see what happens. Because at this point, I'm like, this screws up the whole build. You can't run it without a CPU cooler on it. I'm going to have to order something else. So clamped it, clamped it down, tightened it. And as I was tightening it, there was something about the way that the, the bracket was designed so that when you tighten it, it kind of pops and, and, and slips forward into place the right way. It's a beautiful design. It's worked as intended and it's clamped on perfectly, but there's no indication that it's going to, to do that when you start tightening it. There's no note in the book that says, and the book, the instructions are, are terrible. And there's nothing in there that says there will be a slight, you know, gap between the motherboard and the end of the mounting screw. Continue tightening and this will, you know, like one sentence would have fixed it. So there are lots of little details that can be like that, that I would imagine would be very frustrating. If they were frustrating for me, that they might be frustrating for the regular person. There, there isn't a standard kind of a build because every graphics card is a little different from every other graphics card, even from the manufacturers. Every liquid cooler is different from every other liquid cooler, even from the same manufacturer, etc. So if you go into it as an experiment, as something like you're interested, you're patient, you want to learn, you want to see what's involved, it can be a really, really fun. I had a great time building this thing. And like, uh, now I would just want to build another. Uh, and the installation process, if I had done it, was super easy too. And so you said this in passing, and I cut you off. A Hackintosh method? Is this going to be a new thing? Yeah, I'm going to put the video up there and a parts list and all the other stuff that um, that I might have used if I had done something like this uh, for people. Uh, you know, there's enough videos out there, I think, where people are can, you know, if you want to learn how to install a video card, you just go to YouTube and type in install a video card. How about put in the exact video card that you have with the motherboard you have? There's a video on it. Like, I'm not going to do that. But what I did not, what I have seen are lots of guides that list tons and tons and tons of options for you. And it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. It's like, how do I know what to pick? Well, you go with this one or this one. It's up to you. No, don't make it up to me. Tell me what, based on experience, what is going to work, but not just what's going to work, what's going to work really well. What's going to be the best way to do it? Tell me what the best way to do it is. I don't want options. I just want uh, good choices, affordable choices, and that's what's going to be there. So you'll be able to go there and see, basically, this is the computer that Dan built. Could you have gone with a different thing here? Sure. But I didn't. Here's why. And uh, and if I had had that when I was building it, it would have saved me probably days of research. So I'm just going to turn that back around to make it easier for other people. And everything that I got, I got from straight up from Amazon. So you don't have to go searching for parts. You don't have to search or anything. It's all just... Aha, right uh-huh, nice. And you make a little coin off of that. That'll well, be nice. Well, that'll pay for the hosting anyway. Oh, that's a sweet way to put it. I'm glad you're doing this. When you, when this is ready to go, Hackintosh method, you're, we'll be able to talk about it on the show and people yep. can go there. Yeah, I agree with you. This is like the kind of wire cutter sweet home thing I like we've talked about before where it's like, you know, uh, don't tell me every option. Just, you know, it's, it's like me it's asking maddening. Syracuse what TV I should buy. Like, just tell me, just tell me, <laughs> give me a string of letters and numbers and I will go get it. Because that's the thing, Merlin. There is an answer. There is an answer. You know, there really is a, a best. If you can narrow down two or three parameters, 
there is going to be a right answer for you, especially in something like this, you know? Yeah. So I love it. Well done. Yeah. Did you want to tell me about uh, one more thing that you like? Yeah. You know, you were talking before uh, about the email client that you use on iOS. I have done a lot of searching for mail clients on Mac OS and I always found I would go and I would try one and I always find I would go back to mail because there's something about mail. I don't know if it's familiarity. I don't know what it is, but I've always, that's just always been my go-to, but there's a lot of things that are missing from Apple's mail application. A lot of things that are missing. And there is an application out there called mail Butler that a friend of mine oh, was using. Oh, yes. I have been hearing about this. It is a really, really cool, really cool thing. So basically, it's a, it is a plug-in. This is getting accolades from people that I trust. Well, I want you to, I want you to try I can We can probably get you a license of it, but it it's focuses productivity. And, uh, and I, yeah, I can definitely get you a license of this. Um, and it, this is the thing. It saves you tons of time, but it doesn't involve a big change to now you need to learn how to use an application that's totally different just to get these features. It's still mail. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, just, that's what people love about it. There are people who want these improvements and all the, I mean, these kinds of features that you used to get on stuff like Eudora, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways people try to cobble that together. And this is a, it looks like a very beautifully integrated it looks it is it sits on top of mail.app but it adds all these features without looking all wonky and weird right and so one thing that that i noticed on um, one of my friends who was using it how i learned about it is there um there was like a little like when you launch mail there's like an extra little butler looking like you know like bow tie thing on them <laughs> like what what mail app is that and uh and they showed me they're like listen you now you get things like email scheduling you can do email tracking you can do uh follow up you can do inbox pausing they have email templates which is a new thing you've got they've got like signature templates that can be integrated with everything else um one of the really cool things is uh, and hear me out undo send and mm, now that's huge. back in my CC mail Lotus notes administration days, you could, if you sent an email and you're like, Oh crap, I shouldn't have CC'd bill on this one. You could go and like click undo. And because CC mail had like a centralized database that all the computers connected to, you could like yoink and pull out the, the email <laughs> right out of there. Uh, but obviously if I send an email today, I had sent like it's gone and that's it. Well, Mail Butler does something really cool. Obviously, you can't pluck an email out of somebody else's account, but what they do is they actually have like a really cool countdown before, and you can set how long it counts down, where it just shows this little thing. You can keep typing, you can keep doing your next email, you can keep doing the next thing, but it just gives you that extra like 5, 10, 15 seconds to like undo it. So it actually waits to send the email. Uh, for like an extra five or 10 seconds to give you that minute of like, oh, wait a second. And you can, you can stop it from sending, right? Like little things like that. But that's just one example. Tons and tons of productivity stuff. Uh, it's all in there. And they, uh, so you go to mailbutler.io and, uh, and you can use the, the uh, promo code. And this will be in our show notes because it's a little long. Mailbutler underscore five by five. And you'll get 15% off both uh, Mail Butler Professional Monthly and Mail Butler Professional Yearly. Uh, oh, really cool things it, uh, like attachments, like it helps you um, 
manage an attachment. It knows if you're saying I've attached something and then you don't do the uh, attachment. It looks for the word and it'll like prompt you and say, you were talking about an attachment, but you didn't make one. Like it, it's so cool. You just got to go try it and you can go and try this thing. Mailbutler.io uh, promo code is mailbutler underscore five by five for 15% off. Uh, go check it out. Great. Really great. Like I'm totally hooked on this thing. So uh, thanks, Mail thanks Butler. For, yeah, thank you, Mail Butler. Buck, buck. Yeah, I read a um, I read a review recently in MacWorld of that, and they uh, they gave it high marks. That was Sounds my super cool. I didn't want to switch. I didn't want to switch to another application. I just wanted other features. So yeah, well, that sounds like a good way to go. Oops, oh, noon. The siren's going off. Ooh. Which one? The change your change your underwear siren? Yes. No. How do they know? Yes. No, it's the uh, weekly test of the air raid sirens. And then it's followed by a message like, this is our test. But like, it does kind of have a John Hurt in uh, V for Vendetta feeling, which I, I could do with a lot less of these days. Okay, this is pretty quick, but I just wanted, I, I don't know. I was, um, may I share something? Yeah, please. Yeah, it's a little bit of a thought technology. I mentioned last week, that I had started doing morning pages again. Mm -hmm. And just to review, this is Julia Cameron's idea that you get up in the morning, you write three longhand pages, you know, of whatever. Like it's not really writing. It's not to be, it's not to be retained. It's a way to basically let your brain urinate. Like whoop, out it all comes and then you go on with your day. Uh, And I think I, I believe I did mention last week that I've been very spotty with doing it every day. And on the days I do do it, I'm very spotty about successfully getting to three pages. And I was thinking about that this morning while I was, turns out, working on morning pages. Hmm. And I just, I had a thought that I, that I, that I, this is, again, one of my famous, like, super obvious things that feels profound to me. And I was thinking about um, a concept that I'm going to call successful failure, where I feel like I get up every day with the intention of doing these morning pages. And uh, I try to do them. I try to do them completely. I try to do it all. And most days, I either, uh, well, either don't do it or don't do it fully. I may only get half a page. I may, I may just give it up and go to a to-do list. So in that sense, I have failed at this completely. Mm. Because, I mean, what's the point of the project? The point of the project is to do this every day tick off all your boxes and get to say, hey, look, I did this thing every day. Therefore, I'm a success. So because I haven't succeeded 100% at this, it is probably technically a failure. But I'm going to call it a successful failure because it has done absolutely nothing to dim my interest in getting up every day and doing this, whether or not I actually do it. Like, I honestly do try every day and I, I kind of look forward to it. But it's it's just... It's funny how I've already forgiven myself for not succeeding at this. And it, it, it makes me think about things like resolutions, which we've talked a lot in the past about. And I, th- I feel like this is almost successful failure to me represents almost the opposite of, of, a, of a New Year's resolution, where the New Year's resolution tends to be about having some kind of a lofty goal. It's about a goal, right? It's about achieving. Right. It's about achievement. That you're going you're gonna to lose this much weight or you're going to stop smoking forever or you're going to do and, you know, and like, like with so many of us, I think we undertake those things as I've said at length before. I think one problem with resolutions is that we often don't have the infrastructure or the will 
or the time or the whatever to do it well, let alone the fact that we're often trying to come up with these things that would be very, very difficult for us to do, even if everything went perfectly. We, we set ourselves up for utter failure, the kind of failure where when it goes wrong, maybe the first time you give up. Right. Like, to me, that's, that's a different kind of failure. I'm calling mine a successful failure because I still do it some days. I still do it partially some days. And I don't know why, but that phrase successful failure is something I'm going to be thinking about a lot because I know it's not as profound as it sounds in my head, but I'm very interested in the idea of a thing that you're not doing because you want to succeed with it. It's a thing that you do because it's a thing that you do. And even on the days when you don't do it, or don't do it completely, that doesn't mean you're not doing it. And you, you've abandoned the intentionality of doing it regardless of whether you succeed at it. Is, does this distinction make any sense at all? I think so. Keep going. Well, there's not too much more to it. I just, I think that, I feel like one reason I fall off of good intentions is that, uh, you know, even, even something, let's say it's something that is very reasonable and something I could do, that can be even more frustrating. Mm-hmm. If you said, God, how crazy is it that like, I just can't remember to water the plants. Like I am, I don't deserve plants, let alone a child. My God. So I do stuff like have, uh, <laughs> I have reminders like, like, uh, tomorrow is water the orchid day. Like that's, that's, that's a thing in my reminders. And it's actually, if you're curious, it's in a group that I share with my daughter. So I've got some reminders I share with my wife, some that I share with my daughter. And one of the ways I'm trying to very gently socialize her around the idea of like things one needs to do is to have reminders that pop up on her device. Um, I've had zero success with this, but guess what? Haha, <laughs> turns out it doesn't stop me from continuing to do it because I think it's a good idea and for her to see that, right? So anyway, boxes inside boxes. But in that case, you know, even if I have not, succeeded flawlessly with something minor. Well, like I say, that could be even more frustrating because you think, ugh, like I can't even do the simple stuff. Like no wonder I can't retire. So I'm, I just keep turning it over because I think, you know, there's that notion of like, you want to become a runner or you want to become a musician or you want to become a writer. And there's all these kinds of nouns that we wish to achieve because we want to be that noun and we want to be known as that noun. Oh, that guy. Like he's a rock star or, you know, that woman, she's a professional writer. And so we, you know, we try to achieve these certain nouns instead of, you know, again, as I've said before, focusing on what the verbs are and focusing on the intentionality about how you're going to stick with those verbs, even when you're not doing it well. Right. I mean, the, the long-term way to be healthier is to eat less and exercise more, right. eat better and exercise smarter, right? These are kinds of things everybody knows, but like, then why isn't everybody doing it? Well, the reason everybody's not doing it is it's hard and it's not fun. And if you feel like you failed yourself at the thing that you're attempting to do, you might just throw in the towel because now you're not that, you're not that noun. You, you never became that noun. You never became a healthy person. And I don't know, I, I, I do mean this to be just the tiniest bit potentially inspiring. Like I think... I think it could be really smart to start looking for things that you're open to being successful failures, where even if you haven't done it flawlessly and, and in the way that you had hoped, you can still find something about it that that inspires you to keep working on it. If you think something you're doing is positive, even if you have not achieved, if you're not a little Lebowski urban achiever yet, <laughs> like stick with it because maybe you're failing successfully and haven't realized it yet. Now that is the kind of business intelligence that I could take to sidepreneur. I like that. I'm just thinking about it a lot. And you know, it relates to the self-talk stuff, but honestly, it's I, I get up in the morning and I look forward to doing this, even on the days where I haven't done it successfully. Right. So, like, you know, what's the what is the alternative? The alternative is to go, oh, boo, 
boo me, I haven't done the thing. And therefore, I'm not allowed to even want to or choose to do the thing anymore. And I don't know. I think there's something invigorating about saying, well, I'm going to keep doing this regardless of whether I'm going to sing because I want to sing. I'm going to walk because I want to move. I'm going to put words on a page because that's the thing that my brain wants to do. And right. even if it doesn't succeed, I can at least fail in a way that I find invigorating. And I don't know. I may come back to this. This is a fresh thought. I like a fresh this thought. one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird one, but I'm, I'm going to think about it because, uh, you know, this may sound like, uh, you know, crazy cotton pants, frou-frou stuff. But like, I think if you, if you really look at the things where you're maybe disappointed in how you did with something, it might be because you fell short and then kind of gave up on yourself. And I don't know, I'm interested in the idea of saying like, well, I'm going to have a slightly better attitude about this and say like, this is a thing that like, just because I ate potato chips tonight doesn't mean that I'm going to eat potato chips tomorrow. Or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to think about that. I might try and explore this a little more in my morning pages that I do or don't do. It's hard though. Jeez Louise. Filling up three pages every day. Like on a good day, that's like half, like half an hour. You know? On yeah, a bad you know, day where I'm... I was going to say, it's surprising at how long these kinds of things actually take. Like we talked about like the CBT journal thing that I'm doing like that, it takes a long time. Yeah, and I guess that's a, that's a really good and interesting point because what I'm what I'm advocating for here sounds and may be illogical, but like look at it this way. So you say like, okay, well, the goal of morning pages is to get up and as early as possible in your day, focus on just on getting through writing three longhand pages at a pass. And then do that every day for the rest of your life. Well, there's all kinds of things about that that are going to be difficult. I can just tell you, even on the days where like I have all the time in the world and I'm by myself and I'm standing in the place I like to stand when I do this, right. even if all of that stuff lines up, I still might go take a break and get a coffee or take a leak or whatever or look at Twitter. Like I have not, I have not done this flawlessly yet and I don't know if I ever will. Um, but hmm, what's my point? The... The doing it a lot over time. So like there's so many things that can go wrong. So you think about that, like in with the CPT journal or what have you. Um, there's so many different ways that you could not do this flawlessly that those may be the things that you are actually paying way too much attention to or all the ways you're doing it wrong. So what's the hack? Well, you might say to yourself, okay, new system. I'm going to do this once a week and really, really, really do it. Okay. Mm, all right. That's one idea. Another idea would be, okay. I'm going to do this, but I'm only going to fill up an index card. Mm, okay, that's another way. Okay, I am going to do this, but it's okay if it takes me all day to do it. Well, no, here's the problem. The problem is that for this ambitious project to have a shape to it, you need to still keep those rules the same, right? <laughs> I think the rules, it's, again, I mean, I can't think of a better example than diet and fitness. Like just saying, okay, I failed at walking three miles today. So from now on, my ongoing goal is going to be walk to the mailbox and back. I'm not persuaded that that's that smart. You might be able to hit that, but that's your your reach is not exceeding your grasp. I think the idea of saying the goal here, or the not the goal, but the the my intent is to do this. It is to sit to, first thing in the morning, do the three pages in longhand all the way through without interruption, and then obviously secondarily to do that every day. But like, I, I guess that sounds contradictory, but like, I would rather keep the tough rules and be okay with breaking them than come up with crappy rules that I never break. I like the ambition of something that is 
would be difficult for me to do flawlessly, but I adore the feeling that it's okay for me to fail at it and still keep doing it. I'm the one who gets to decide if I keep doing this or not. I do it on my own terms. Right. And I also, um, I am the judge who gets to decide how I'm allowed to feel about it. This all sounds really corny, but this is exactly the kind of fruity stuff you do when you're in California and you do morning pages. <laughs> I just think this is a very, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm getting at the part of this that feels special to me, except to say that like, hey, guess what? You're still the agent of this. Like you're still the person who gets to drive this project. There's nobody out there making you write these three pages a day. And if you can't do it or don't want to do it, don't. But like if there is something you are trying to undertake, uh, and I, I don't mean to be too over the top about this, I, I think an interesting approach is to set set the project the way you would like it to be and then just be ridiculously tolerant on the one number one ridiculously tolerant with the days that you don't succeed but second have that not deter you from coming back the next day anyway you know what i'm saying yeah i'm gonna think about this this could be big hmm could be could be and i think again this comes back to that old topic of nouns and verbs where we get so attracted to the idea of the noun and becoming and like uh, arriving and all those kinds of things. And we lose all those little verbs in the lights when really it's all those little verbs that constitute any kind of a noun. Like screw the noun. Who cares what you're called? Who cares what the name of this project is? It's the verbs that you set yourself to that determine who you are. Mm. 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 Hickintosh. That's going to be cool. I, boy, you make it sound very build. You got to go build one of those. I'm not going to build anything, but I'm very tempted to have hire someone to do it for me, especially when you put it that way of like, okay, here's four different OSs that I can just choose at will on a Mac that's faster than, or on a, excuse me, uh, three, two, on a computing device. Right. That is faster than anything that, that is available from the Apple company. Well, you know, the thing that I found about it is a lot of people, when I was talking about experimenting with something like this, a lot of people said, oh, good luck with that. Yeah, the pain <laughs> points are there, you know, and, and, and it's, it, it was, you know, there, I got, basically there are two classes of responses. One of them was, and the other one was, I've been running a Hackintosh as my main machine for the last year and it's great. I've had no problems. Yeah. Like there was no in between. And it seems like the people who ran into trouble with it were fit into several different categories. It was either I had like a PC already and I wanted to make macOS run on it. It wasn't custom handpicked hardware. It was just, uh, it, it was, it was just, I just tried to make it work and it sucked and it didn't work well versus uh, the person who went and handpicked the stuff and said, I, I want to go and, and build this. And things have come so far in this community in the last six months or a year that if you tried to do this a year ago, it's a oh, different Oh, like if you place. haven't checked in, it's a yeah. Siri type situation. Oh, yeah. If you haven't checked in in a while, like the, the strides have been made. Huge. 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 Now, when, when do you think your uh, your method site will be uh, be up? Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your projected uh, ETA on that? Next couple of weeks? Uh, oh, days, days, days. The video, days, days, I, days. I may put the uh, the the page up, you know, today or tomorrow with just the parts list, and then put the video up when I get there. You know, you want to you want to do a, what they call a trickle trickle down. Oh, uh, you do a trickle trickle tri flow trickle flow. You know? I learned about that from Sidepreneur. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I gotta get your side hustle. All right. Mm, good job. Yeah. Another award winner. Woo! Dan, in as much as you're comfortable saying, where would people find show notes for 
episode 309 of your Back to Work program. 5by5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in Windows slash 309. Every week we produce show notes. Uh, Some weeks there are more things than others, but that is where you can go to uh, find this recording. Hello. It's also where you can find links to things that we have talked about. Uh, You can find links to our sponsors. And it's uh, just a good place. And we also send out a newsletter that will apprise you. Newsletter that will apprise you of the notes of show. Yeah. 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 All right, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin Man.